language teachers are lifelong learners. Either they're always trying to improve their own personal language skills or their actual teaching of that language in the classroom, which is how most of us spend most of our days. Are you a language teacher looking for some reassurance that what you're doing in the classroom is on the right track? Or maybe you're looking for some ways to teach even more effectively. If you're one or the other or somewhere in between, you've landed in the right place. This is the World Language Classroom Podcast with your host, me, Joshua Cabral. You're about to get tips, tools, and resources so that your students continue to rise in proficiency and communicate with confidence. Let's jump in. Vamos, allons-y. Hello and welcome to the very first episode of the World Language Classroom podcast. So this is something I've been wanting to do for quite a while, a couple of years anyway. I'm a really avid listener of podcasts. I listen to them every day on the way to school, on the way home, when I'm in the car, when I'm at the gym, they're always in my AirPods, when I go for walks. So I've always loved podcasts, so it seemed like it was probably time where I jump on the podcast train as well. So if you are, if you follow me on any of the social networks like Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, or if you get my newsletter, a couple of months back, I just sort of asked out there, do you think I should do a podcast? Or when do you listen to podcasts? There's a bunch of questions I asked and what platforms do you listen to podcasts on and what time do you listen and where do you listen what type of podcast should it be so I got a lot of feedback from a lot of you out there and I really appreciate that and it has totally influenced my decision to go ahead with this and to take into account everything that you shared so on this first episode right now I just want to give you a little bit of background about me since we'll be spending some time together, hopefully for quite a while moving forward on a weekly basis. And if you are going to have me in your earbuds and your ears, or if I'm going to be driving in the car with you or running on the treadmill, that, you know, I think it would be good that we could get to know each other a little bit. And I always ask that you, you know, tweet out about what you're hearing on here. If you're on Twitter or put something on Instagram, you can always message me through there. Tell me what you're thinking about the different episodes. But for now, I just want to make sure that you kind of know who I am and where I'm coming from and what has led me to this point right now where I want to do a podcast for world language teachers. So if you have followed me on social media, thank you for being here. If you're new to, if we're meeting for the first time right now on this podcast, I thank you so much for being here. I hope we'll be colleagues and friends for quite a while moving forward. My name is Joshua Cabral. And my mother is French-Canadian of Québécois origin, actually from New Brunswick, but she's Acadian. And my father is Portuguese uh, from the Azorean Islands in the Atlantic. So I am half French-Canadian and half Portuguese. And I grew up um, as a bilingual French and English speaker. And at about the age of 12... I moved to Pennsylvania from Canada, from Quebec, and I went to a school in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And I did my four years of high school there, and then I went on to do my undergrad in Normandy in France. And while I was there, this is going back to the 
mid to late 90s right now. But when I was in Rouen in France, I did a diploma, which is called a DUG, which does not exist anymore. Um, but after I did my DUG, I just like saying that word. It's a fun word, D-E-U-G, uh, Diplôme d'études universitaires générales. I came back to the United States and I went to the University of Massachusetts at Amherst and I did a degree in French with a minor in Italian. When I was in France, I got a degree in Lettres Modernes, uh, Modern Letters, which is basically French literature. And so when I finished up with that second degree at UMass Amherst, I, with my French degree and my minor in Italian, I began teaching right away at the age of 21. I was very young. I remember my first class that I had was a class of juniors and seniors, and they were three or four years younger than me. So it was a lot to take on right away. Uh, but I spent my first, my first four years teaching grades 7 through 12 on Cape Cod uh, in Massachusetts um, at a school called Falmouth Academy. And after that, I moved on to Boston, where I taught in the Boston Public Schools for six years, and I taught grades 5 through 12 there. And in both of these places, I was teaching French. And while I was teaching in Boston, I decided that, you know, I had nothing else going on in my busy teaching life. Why not? take on graduate school. So I went to graduate school uh, at the University of Massachusetts, Boston, uh, during my full-time teaching, uh, which was the best thing I ever did, because I studied applied linguistics, and I specialized in second language acquisition and psycholinguistics. So it's sort of where I learned everything about the foundations of language learning, but more than anything, I learned how to read research. So even that was, you know, well over a decade ago. But what I learned is now I can take a piece of research and like I know what parts to read and what is sort of not necessary to understand the whole. So that's what I really took away from that experience. And I loved that I did it while I was teaching full time because I could go back to my classroom the next morning after my classes at night and use this stuff right away. And it was great. And I loved the way the program was at University of Massachusetts, Boston, because it was it's really a, a city university and for working adults for the most part. And so I had professors that when I would sort of do a project or write a paper on something, they would say, could you use this in your classroom? Will this be useful? And if I would say no, they would say, well, then do it again, because it's not doing either of us any favors. So I really appreciated how that was sort of everything that was behind that whole program. So after I finished off there about 14 years ago, I then moved to the North Shore of Boston in Massachusetts. And uh, for the last 14 years, I've been teaching grades one through eight uh, French and Spanish. Um, so I the initial part of my teaching was in grades seven through 12 and then five through 12. And then for the last 14 years, almost 15 now, I've been teaching on the North Shore of Boston um, in an elementary middle school, so teaching grades one through eight. So I've had the opportunity to teach everything from first through 12th grade. So where did Spanish come into all of this? Because as I told you, I had a degree in, uh, my undergraduate degree was in French and Italian. I wanted to learn Spanish, and I sort of had done it a little bit on my own 
through high school years and college years, but had never done anything formally. I was mostly doing it on my own. So I decided um, in about 2007, 2008, that I really wanted to go all in. So I started going to a language school in Costa Rica. And I did that for about four or five years. I would go in the summers and during our school breaks to really immerse myself. And I enjoyed that experience, but I met a lot of Nicaraguense, Nicaraguan people while I was in Costa Rica. And I just felt that they were some of the nicest people I had ever met, and I really wanted to go to Nicaragua. So in 2013, that summer, I went to Nicaragua to do some volunteer work and absolutely fell in love with the people and the country. And granted, um, sometimes that doesn't account for political situations in any country, but the Nicaraguense, the people of Nicaragua, I completely... um, fell in love with, and I have returned back every year since in the summer to do volunteer work, working in an elementary school, and just returning to be with friends, uh, minus two years. Uh, there was some political unrest a couple of years back where it was just not the safest place to be. And this past year, because of COVID, it wasn't possible, but I'm hoping to continue to go back. Now, Nicaragua, if you follow me on social media, you've probably seen some of this, but after my second year there, I noticed that students in the school I was working in, which is in Masaya, about an hour and a half south of Managua, the students there were wearing the Tom shoes, if you've seen those around. They're T-O-M-S, Tom shoes, and they're sort of these canvas shoes, and the idea is you buy a pair, and a pair is donated to a child in need somewhere in the world. So I saw the students wearing these, and I thought, wow, that's, that's pretty incredible. So I bought the autobiography of the founder, and read about how it all worked. And I was flying back to the United States after doing a volunteer trip. And I got the idea that I wanted to do something similar. So I started a TPT store, a a Teachers Pay Teachers store to sell resources, and also started doing work in schools uh, and consulting with departments around the country. And so the revenue from those two sources, from Teachers Pay Teachers and also consulting, that revenue I use to help support the schools that I work with in Nicaragua where I do the volunteer work. Um, Everything from food to supplies and a lot of providing water for families in the area things that are really needed to sustain on a regular basis. And then a few years later, I wanted to find an opportunity to also work in a Francophone country. So I partnered with the uh, Power of Education Foundation, which has a school in Haiti, in the capital as well. So since then, so we're going back now maybe seven or eight years, that I have been ongoing Um, and supporting those ventures through various outlets. So if you have ever purchased a product of mine on Teachers Pay Teachers, or you have hosted me in your school, um, know that the revenue from that is what I am using to help support these schools in Nicaragua and Haiti. So thank you so much for that on behalf of myself and everyone that benefits from it. 
So as I said, I also work with schools and that sort of came out of doing conferences and doing workshops at conferences at the state level. I sort of started in Massachusetts where I currently am. Then I did some regional, so the Northeast Conference, and then national for ACTFL, the um, the American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Language. Although I think they just want to be called ACTFL now uh, because we're trying to do away with the word the word foreign. Um, so I also had the opportunity to be on the board of directors for our Massachusetts Association. And it was at one of my workshops, which I just enjoy doing. I love working with teachers. And someone asked me if I would go and do the workshop in their school. And this was about seven or eight years ago. I had never really thought about doing that. I didn't think it was an avenue or a possibility for me. But I said, sure, I can do that. And now it's sort of grown to, I work with about 10 schools a year all over the U.S., uh, from Texas to Idaho to New York, Massachusetts, Washington State, uh, Virginia, lots of different places. I enjoy this opportunity to work and connect with teachers in schools and at conferences and all over on social media. And I stay really up on research. I love research. Um, as I said earlier, I really learned how to read it as part of my graduate studies, and I constantly read up on it to see how it can be used, how it can be used in my classroom, see how other teachers are using it. I really enjoy seeing what teachers put on Twitter about what they're doing, and on Instagram, and in Facebook groups, and I'm going to have some of those teachers join me here on this podcast so that you're not just hearing about sort of my experience, what I'm doing, but so that you have a, a lens on all kinds of different teachers and different languages and different classrooms so that you can have some takeaways and to look at your own classroom as well. Um, so I will do a couple of solo episodes here and there where I might dive a little bit into sort of concepts and some of the, the research with language teaching and some methodology and technique. Um, but then you can also count on hearing from some other teachers as well as we go through. One of my main goals is to really inspire you to look at your students and your teaching so that you can really feel confident and confirm that what you're doing is is effective and you can maybe you'll hear an episode about a particular topic that is exactly something you're doing in your classroom and you walk away from that and you say I, I'm not just doing it because I know it works I actually know that it is supported by some solid research findings and some ideal practice in the classroom and really feel inspired and confident about your own teaching. And maybe there'll be some times where you can look at the way you're teaching something in a different way or try something new that you haven't tried before or put a new lens on it based on either something that I talk about or maybe you hear from another teacher that teaches your language or your level or your demographic of students. You know that it's it's an opportunity to be even better at what we do. And that's something I've always appreciated about the language teaching community is we, we don't get complacent with what we do, that we're always looking to do better. Like I find that language teaching, language teacher conferences are always well attended by teachers that want to do 
better in their classroom, better for their students, and always want to be learning more. If anything, language teachers are lifelong learners. Either they're always trying to improve their own personal language skills or their actual teaching of that language in the classroom, which is how most of us spend most of our days. And I'm a full-time teacher. I have been for 25 years. And anything that we share on here is going to be something that either I or another teacher have done in the classroom. Sometimes it'll be worth it and we'll say, hey, this worked really, really well. And if there were some stumbling blocks along the way, we'll talk about what we learned from that and what we, what we were able to modify to make it a little better. So now that you have an understanding of sort of just who I am, I don't want this podcast to be about me. So I wanted to start this first episode by just giving you my background sort of once and for all so you know where I'm coming from, uh, what informs my, my practice, my teaching, what my goals are for this podcast, because I really want the focus to be about you and your classroom and to celebrate and honor the teachers that I will have on this podcast. My other goal is I want to have you come out of the end of every episode thinking, research is awesome. I love research. And it's accessible. It's not scary. It's not something that makes you kind of like your eyes glass over and you don't even want to look at it or hear about it. I want to take research and make it incredibly accessible and digestible for all language teachers because language learning is really a science. Learning and teaching is a science. And a lot of times we fall into this realm of best practices without always understanding why it's a good practice. And if you understand what informs something as being effective, then you can do other things like it. And if you don't understand what informs it to make it really effective, you're only going to do that one thing. So I want to make sure that whenever you hear names dropped like Chomsky and Van Patten, that you think, I know who those people are, and I'm an informed language teacher, and you're going to learn about some really fun activities to do in your classroom with your students. I'm not all about just research and, oh, let's just talk about research. But you then use it, and you can do things to really engage and motivate your students in the classroom as well. So that is my goal on the uh, podcast here. So it's to celebrate and honor the great work that language teachers are doing, to have you get some takeaways for celebrating what you're doing and confirming that you're on the right road. Also, some opportunities to maybe put a different lens on it. And then also to not be afraid of research as the foundation for what informs your teaching. Okay. I really appreciate you hanging out with me. I've always enjoyed my time with teachers, and I'm looking forward to so much more time hanging out together as we move forward. So in the next couple of episodes, they're going to be solo episodes just with me, where I'm just going to talk a little bit about some foundations of language teaching. And then once we have that sort of as our strong foundation, then we're going to move on and start hearing from some language teachers, okay? So thanks for sticking around, and uh, we'll talk soon.
You've been listening to the World Language Classroom podcast. Be sure to follow or subscribe wherever you're listening so you don't miss a single episode. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at WL Classroom. You can also see over 250 blog posts about language teaching at, you guessed it, wlclassroom.com.